You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me today is a guy named Cody Mills. You may recognize him if you are on TikTok at all. He is, man, he's as Texas as it gets. But we're going to have a great time talking about all of his adventures down in Texas, what he's doing down there as far as guiding, ranching, breeding, all kinds of cool stuff. So buckle up for this one. It's a good one. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Cody Mills. Now, Cody um, has been getting pretty big on social media, but he is a guide down in Texas. He ranches and... For those of you that like Yellowstone, I bet you you get comments all the time, Cody, about Yellowstone now. Uh, I feel like ranching is becoming popular all of a sudden. You know, uh, being a cowboy or a rancher, the look is definitely a trend that's happening right now. Um, it surprises me how much it's gone and blown up, but um, it's kind of cool to see, you know. Yeah. Is it is it pretty accurate, like the things you see on the show? um versus what ranch life actually is yes and no and that's what goes with any show uh definitely yes and no um ranches do not go around just killing people all the time they don't got (laughs) patience you know um none that i know of but that stuff isn't real but most of everyday work it's it's an everyday thing and it is a wake up before light and end up finishing your day when it's dark man i I mean, watching that show, just like anybody who's got testosterone running through their body, like I was thinking, man, I should have been, I should have been a rancher. I could definitely see myself being in the back country, especially in a place like Montana or even, I guess, the new, 
uh, season, they've got some stuff down in Texas. And mm-hmm. I tell my wife all the time, like, I definitely should have been a cowboy. And she just laughs at me. She doesn't want me getting a cowboy hat or boots or anything like that. And I'm fine with that. I like hunting too. So, and that's what we're here to talk about, not fashion trends and all that. So uh, why don't we dive into that? Can you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing down in Texas right now? Good deal. I'm Cody Mills, uh, originally born in Bandera, Texas. I live out in Harper now. Um, Just turned 27 years old. I've been guiding since I was 12. My dad was the one that got me started in it. And the reason why is he started taking me to the deer blind, probably three or four years old. And the first time he took me, that was it. He couldn't get me to not go hunting with him. If he was going hunting, it was like that dog that knows when you're going somewhere and it waits <laughs> right by the door of the truck. Yeah, that was me. And he started teaching me. I kept asking, well, how do you know how old that deer is? Well, how do you know this? How do you know that? And I picked up on it, learned from him. Um, He's guided DLC triple seven. He used to guide for uh, Jerry Johnson with Texas Trophy Hunters. So I got real close to all that. And not only did I get close to the guiding side being out in Mr. Johnson's, but I got close to the deer breeding side. And that's how I also got pulled into that. Um, But my dad definitely started me on it, started guiding when I was 12 years old. And I'll probably do it to the dad die. Yeah, that's awesome. Guiding is an art form for sure. Like I've got total respect for people. I I feel pressure when I go out hunting myself and I can't imagine, you know, having a client coming in, having certain expectations. And then you, I mean, for the most part are responsible for getting in, them into position to have an opportunity at the animal they're chasing. And so I bet you, I bet you it's really rewarding, but also, I mean, if you come down to the wire on some of those, it's gotta be kind of nerve wracking the the pressure is definitely there usually the first night of the hunt i do not sleep once they get in that first night i don't sleep because not only in my mind am i thinking about the things that can go wrong not finding animals just getting in the bad spots bad wind but i also think about where am i going to go where are we going to set up how are we going to go about this way i usually play it through my head i I'll never sleep. Yeah, I I can imagine that pressure builds like crazy. Um, What would you say to anybody that is wanting to do a guided hunt uh, to kind of help them with their expectations and managing them in an accurate accurate way? Like someone that hasn't uh, gone on a guided hunt yet? Yeah. Some people need to realize we've had some hard clients through the years that sometimes we're trying our hardest. You know, we, we want you to get that animal, not you know, we're not trying to take you to spots where no animals are. Some people have thought that before. Oh, I'm hunting on a spot where there's nothing over here. We want you to kill something, harvest something, take home a memory and also a trophy. And some people need to be a little more lenient on it. Sometimes we try like every other job we try, but it's called hunting, not killing for a reason. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk around Texas and and guided hunts or high fence hunts and all of these different stigmas going on. I'm sure you guys are wanting to create the best experience and the most you know wild experience. You said your the ranch you're on is like twenty thousand acres. Twenty thousand, and of that twenty thousand, twenty three hundred is high fence. That's what we always get asked first. Well, is it high fence? Yes, we have a portion of it high fence. Do those animals know they're in a high fence? They probably do not. Uh, we do not hunt inside that high fence much anymore. 
we majority hunt all low fence now. Um, our axis hunts, they're the big bringer. Um, we also offer black buck, rams, Corsican, Texas doll, black Hawaiian, whitetail turkey. And now we've started doing some thermal hog hunts because obviously we got a hog problem in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've hunted down there before and, you know, it was, it was a, it was high fence on two sides. Basically two of the neighboring properties had the high fence and then the other two did not. And so the animals were basically free range, you know, but it was the, it was the same type of thing talking to people about it. Like, Oh man, you're it's basically shooting fish out of a barrel. And I'm like, well, when you're talking 4,500 acres and like, that's a small ranch for Texas, uh, you're talking 4,500 acres. Like those animals might never even see a fence. And so, um, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's, uh, been a hot button item for, for you and anybody down in Texas, but I'll let people know, like, it's fun. It absolutely is. And creating a wild experience where people can come out and truly be on a hunt and not just shooting something that, you know, will come and eat out of your hand. I will say the spot that I went, uh, my, my buddy's grandpa owned it and some of the deer literally would eat out of his hand because that was his deal. He never shot him. He would go out there and he would dump corn in his driveway and he liked to sit there drinking his coffee and looking at the deer and it was generations of deer doing it to the point where we were we were painting a blind for him one time um, because he would have people come and hunt different parts of the property and this deer like walked right up to us and we were blown away i mean it's just standing there staring at us and i was like dude is there something wrong with this deer he's like oh no that's one of grand donnie's deer like that's one that he feeds i'm like okay good to know um so you, you do a lot of different types of hunts and you said that Axis is the one that, that kind of brings a lot of people in. What, what's your favorite to guide? It's, it's going to be Axis. You know, there's, they've always been around since I was a kid. I grew up in Pipe Creek, right by Bandera, and I'd always seen them as a kid. And I thought they were fascinating. I thought they were much more cooler than Whitetail. And then by the time I got old enough to start hunting with my bow around the house, you know, 12 years old, um, they decided they didn't want to be around there anymore. So I kind of lost out on it for a little bit. But when I started guiding on some of these ranches with Axis, I fell back into it and I started, you know, everybody learns. I don't have all the experience in the world. I won't. All those guys that are older than me, they got more years on and I'm still learning, but one thing I prided myself in is learning axis. They're like elk. They travel in herds. There'll be some lone bulls. There'll be females off having their babies. But vocalization, I think they're just like elk in a different body. Man, that's really cool. I have basically zero experience with axis. I've seen the videos and I've seen, I've, I've heard a lot of talk about how easily they'll jump strings uh, when you're shooting at them. Like, they, they just seem real wiry, but it seems like they'd be a lot of fun to hunt. Uh, what kind of, what kind of antler structure do they have? Is it like, I mean, it's pretty tall, uh, in comparison to their body, right? Uh, so their bodies are normally shorter than a whitetail or, you know, height wise. Um, they're actually, they got some pretty short legs, but for some reason in Texas, the horn growth on them is bigger than anywhere else, even from where they originated from. It's something oh. they eat out here. I don't know what it is. Um, since I've been guiding with Devil's River Outfitters, that's probably some of the biggest axes I've ever seen in my life out there. And I guess I thought 
like there's an axis that's right next to me that's 33 inches i shot him in pipe creek he's nothing very big but i thought he was a big one i went out there and i saw some axis out there and i was like this is where i'm gonna love to guide and that's that's why they're my favorite hunt to do they're unpredictable very unpredictable as you were thinking they are very wiry they will we had two bow seasons ago two bow hunters out with um released outfitters and both the guys shot the same evening and both of their axes stuck the arrow and oh, they got them up back and they ran off to never be found again they they are very fast animal and they're very quick to pick you off because when they come in as a group it's usually 20 to even sometimes 40 set of eyes on you that are all does before that buck ever comes in he always the big one always comes in the back Dang. Yeah. I can imagine that being tough. Um, anytime you get a lot of eyes on you, we, we ran into that this year sitting in the tree stand, we had some does come in and I looked at my buddy. I'm like, Hey, are you wanting to shoot a doe? Like you're welcome to, we were on my property and they came in and I was waiting for him to get drawn back because like they wouldn't have busted us yet. They were still a little ways off, but one was about to step through a shooting lane and, uh, he didn't stand up and get drawn back. And so we're sitting there and all of a sudden they're all in front of us. I mean, well over a dozen, probably closer to two. And I was like, well, I guess we're not shooting any of these. Like there's no way we're sitting exposed in a tree, two of us, we can't move at all. And, uh, anyways, one of them gets like right at the base of our tree, looks right up, blows, takes off. Luckily only half of them took off with it. And then he got drawn back on one that stopped behind a tree and he was just waiting for it to step out. And then instead of stepping out, it just bolted from that point. Um, but man, I can't imagine, you know, 20, 30 animals like that, trying to, trying to pull off an archery hunt with that many eyes, that many ears, especially when they're that jumpy, like with an elk, like you shoot an elk can duck an arrow, but it's so much like vital space. It's a duck and you should be able to still hit it in the vitals. But an axis deer, I bet that that's a challenging shot. You know, and it's it's not only just about, I mean, 50% of harvesting that animal is the shot. The other 50% is getting in the right spot, being in the right wind. And, you know, these are all spotting stocks. When we have a normal uh, bow hunter or rifle hunter that's able on their feet, um, it's all spotting stock, no blind. Um, we also, I'll tell you a story about this guy in a bit, but we also cater to people that aren't able to go out and chase after him. We got a blind guy that hunts with us and he kills something every year. No doubt. Oh, wow. That is awesome. How, how has it been, um, guiding, but also loving to hunt? Is that kind of a love hate relationship when it comes to guiding season and you can't get out as much? You know, uh, at first it used to discourage me a little bit cause I didn't get to hunt as much, but honestly, I probably like guiding hunters more than I do hunting for myself now. Um, and it's the joy that it brings to them that keeps me wanting to do it. Yeah. But not only that, um, the new hunters that I get to experience, I love when I get a first time hunter because I get to make their first impression on what hunting is about and that it's not about killing, but it's about taking food home to your family. It's about making memories and it's about being ethical. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. So you you not only guide for some of these exotic species, uh, like out of all the different species that are on that ranch there, how many of them have been introduced recently and how many of them are like native to Texas? Zero have been introduced recently. Um, they high fenced that 2,300 acres. So the axis have been out there, of course, since however long. Um, well, I guess however long they've been in Texas, but the 2,300 acre high fence, right after they high fenced it about 20 years ago, a neighboring ranch had some sheep get out and had some black buck get out. Well, over that 20 years, it turned into a population of two to 300 sheep. And we don't even know how many black buck, but quite a bit. So is it, I mean, I guess you grew up there. And so you're used to seeing all these different species out there. Like when I think of Texas, I think of giant white-tailed deer and hogs, but I I had no idea growing up that Texas offered this many different big game species. And even now, like seeing Audad and uh, just some pretty amazing hunts that you can get out and do on either private or public land. You know, and... I don't know if this is statistically true, but Texas is the exotic capital. I mean, it, it's crazy how much it's grown. Um, and it's wild too, because now there's starting to be not native populations, but low fence populations out here of black buck is very common now around this area. Um, if you look down in South Texas, now guy is becoming kind of like Axis is here. It's, it's strange, you know, they get out of the ranches and they adapt out here. And now we're getting populations of exotics out here, low fence, free range. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. The nil guy, I think that's one of the ones I was thinking of. I mean, those are like a really large antelope or in the antelope family, right? Yes. Yes. Man, I, Texas has always been kind of the place in the back of my mind. Like if I had to move somewhere, where would it be? It'd either be mountains or probably Texas. I'm like, man, the freedom that people have in Texas to hunt, to kind of, it seems like you guys get left alone. Like, Hey, you do what you want. It's your property. Get out there and hunt. You can have whatever animals on it you want. And, uh, back to your point about the exotic animal capital. I think I saw something recently that said, um, there are more big cats living in texas now uh you know a lot of them are probably pets but um more exotic or more exotic big cats living in texas than there are in the wild yep that that is also true i saw that not too long ago yeah that's that's insane so uh on top of guiding you do ranching and you've got some exotics that you deal with there what uh what kind of animals are we talking about so right now out here um I got kudu. Uh, well, we just got rid of the Nalechway. Black bucks, Maxis, um, some scimitar horned oryx. Uh, I got a hog deer. He's a weird little guy. Um, yeah, what's a what's a hog deer? You know, it, it looks like a Manchurcyca. Actually, picture a Manchurcyca, but with Axis horns. So it would actually be a miniature sandbar, is what okay. they look like. Um, now, when we got our first, so we basically worked our way out of the deer breeding industry and into exotics. And when we bought our first 
lot of exotics to bring out here. It looked like a zoo. We had kudu, now lechwe, water buck, tommies, grants, and dama gazelles, sable. Um, what else was there? There was, a, it, it was a zoo. Uh, Gims buck. Yeah, it was a literal zoo. Oh, and one wildebeest. We had a blue wildebeest out here. Jeez, that that's it's just weird, man. Like thinking about these animals. I mean, I don't even know what half the animals you just mentioned are. Um, but it, it seems like so much fun to be able to go out there and be chasing after a whitetail, and you have something like straight out of Africa run past you. Uh, I know, I know my buddy's grandpa, he would go to the exotic animal auctions and he'd pick things up and Drew would tell me here and there like, oh yeah, he's got a, um, he's got a red stag out there now. He's got, you know, a black buck out there or a gimmick buck. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. And sure enough, when we got out there, he's like, Hey, let's go check the trail cameras. And I thought he was pulling my leg at first. We were, we start scrolling on my computer through the trail camera pictures and the animals walking by there, I'm like, are you for real? Like, we're going to see these tomorrow? He's like, yeah, don't shoot any of those. Uh, we're only going after whitetail. But um, what a, I guess, what has it been like being able to guide, being able to hunt? Is there, it sounds like you have opportunities for all sorts of different animals there. Is there um, places that you want to go hunt outside of Texas, species that you want to go hunt that you haven't got to experience yet? Um. 2024, I'm going to Alaska. Um, we had the owner of Dead Horse Outfitters come down and hunt with us here in Texas. And he's inviting us up there for 2024 caribou season. That's been a dream hunt of mine since I was a little kid. Dang, that sounds amazing. Is it, uh, does he have a big chunk of land that he guides on that's public? And do you know if you're like doing a horseback, like, Fly in, float in, what kind it's of hunt you're going to do? It's going to be a boat in. I'm, I'm not for sure what his standing is on the land, but it's going to be a boat in. And for however many people are in the camp, they set up camp and everything. And then, you know, they set your guidelines and all that. And I'm, I'm super excited because when I used to watch Outdoor Channel when I was a kid, I think it used to be channels uh, – 603 and 606 it was the outdoor channel and the sportsman's channel or something like that but every time there's alaska hunt on there whether it was caribou or moose or whatever it was i was watching it i love alaska it's beautiful yeah those are i mean alaska i would i would gladly move to alaska the amount of opportunity for hunting and and game up there just seems insane to me um I've been up there a couple times now. I haven't been far enough north to see the the caribou. Um, but man, hearing about the herds that cruise through there, I mean, by the thousands, you're just seeing them all day long. And then being in grizzly country and moose country. And then on top of that, you have all the fishing opportunities as well. That's that's insane. Now with back to the exotics is there is there any issues like with climate and everything um where you're at in comparison to where they're natively roaming do you guys do you guys have issues with like die off in the winter or or any climate stuff so not normally um so last year's freeze uh it got pretty bad out here um 
Sonora wise, it killed a bunch of our axis. Um, not any big numbers of the herd, but it did kill a bunch of axis. Uh, I was able to keep everything alive out here, but people had problems with kudu dying, uh, black buck, a lot of black buck died, axis died. Um, yeah, a lot of these animals ain't built for the cold. I'm having to go out three times a day to put fresh hay and alfalfa and feed out, break waters up when they're frozen. Yeah, you guys, I mean, did you guys get hit with that real cold spell last year as well? We went, uh, we did below negative zero one day. Uh, it was 14 days, no power, no running water. I lived in a tent and I cooked and lived in a tent by a fire and cooked over a fire every day. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw some of the videos and the stories coming out of Texas. I mean... It, it's one thing like up in Wisconsin where I'm from, they had, they had a year that they had 60 days that never got above zero, but they've got the infrastructure to deal with it. You know, people are used to it. Even, even the houses are built differently. The roads are cleared here. We get an inch of snow and they shut down school for the week. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. And so I can't imagine being even farther South where you're at, like you guys, it's probably an anomaly when when you guys get a snowstorm or a cold spell like that it was it was definitely a freak storm you know uh we really were not prepared for it at all um when it first started i tried you know uh out here on the ranch i work with the exotics i was staying in a mobile and it ended up once power shut down i couldn't run heaters or anything i got down to 26 degrees in the house i couldn't stay in here anymore because i was working all day feeding everything and then coming back inside well i couldn't sleep in a 26 degree house so i bumped over at my neighbors thank god for good neighbors um i went right across the fence to them and they kept me in their house for a couple of days since they had a wood-burning stove and got my tent and stuff set it up and got my fire going that it, that fire didn't stop going for about 10 to 12 days and oh man I out after that man yeah that's awesome that you, that you had some good neighbors that that could help you out in that situation jeez man yeah i can't i can't imagine um i i saw in the the answers to your the questions that i put out that you used to shoot competitively competitively mm -hmm. um tell me about that and uh maybe if you wouldn't mind share some tips because I love shooting, but I am not the best. I mean, I try to be consistent. I try to, um, you know, only take shots that I'm comfortable with when I'm actually chasing after animals. But, uh, I know there's an art form to it and there's probably a lot of tips and tricks that I overlook. You know, uh, what helped me big time. I started super early. I think my dad got me one of those, um, plastic bows with a string with a little suction cup on the end. Probably when I was like, two or something well i guess he would like set up like a deer and i'd sit there and shoot him well i guess when i was old enough to pull back a bow he bought me one of those matthews genesis the ones that i don't know they go down to like 15 20 pounds or something like that he got me one of those i shot that free sight he didn't put any sights on it he made me shoot free sight for about three or four years oh wow. so he got, and then he got me a recurve and I shot free sight. And then he bought me a PSE spider. 
went up to that, started shooting sights, and then everything after that spider was a bow tech. But the best advice I can give to people wanting to get into archery more or trying to improve a little bit more, I'm no master at shooting, but what I have found has worked for me. Always have a good anchor point. Um, and then always make sure a lot of people don't get their bows tuned. If your bow's off and your rest is off, it's, it's not going to be accurate. Get your bow tuned good. Don't be afraid. Take it to the shop, make a friend, you know? Yeah. I, um, I had a bow. I got my first bow at 16 and I've just kind of bounced around from bow to bow. I love getting new things. I mean, I've, I've always liked to buy, sell and trade stuff anyways. And so if someone's like, Hey man, I got this, I'll trade you straight up or throw in 200 bucks. Uh, it, it intrigues me most of the time, but I got, I got a new bow. Actually, I got a new bow like three or four years ago, I took it to an archery shop here in Missouri and I wanted to get a new string on it. My string was starting to, starting to wear. I'd been shooting it a ton and I take it in and he's like, yeah, we'll do like a full tune up on this thing. You know, we'll get you shooting. We'll get you dialed in on paper first. And so, you know, I'm, do, I'm just doing the um, paper shooting, shooting through a piece of paper. They're checking to see if the knock is off from, um, from the, the tip and the first shot after they tuned it up and put the new string on it, I shot. And I'm telling you, like, it was a line in the paper like this, like the arrow flew at probably a 20 degree angle through the paper. And I'm like, what in the world? And he's like, all right, uh, let's try that one more time and see what's going on. I'm like, I'm telling you, I know my bow. It's never been this off. I mean, I shoot, I like to shoot farther distances. I like to practice anywhere from, uh, with that bow, I was practicing from 10 to 60 every time I'd shoot. And he's like, all right, do it again. So I do it again. And this time it leaves my, it leaves my bow. And there's so much like force from something weird happening that the, the knock flies off and hits the ceiling and the arrow goes through and it leaves that long line again. And a guy came over and he's like, what is going on over here? Well, when the guy went to uh, string up my release or uh, sorry, my drop away rest, mm -hmm. he put the, he put the string over the, or underneath and around the top instead of over the top. And so uh, it wasn't dropping my rest when I would shoot. And so the arrow was going through and it was just flipping the back end up. And I, man, I thought my bow was so messed up. I was bummed. And then we figured that out and it was shooting just fine after that. But yeah, I would highly recommend getting your bow tuned. Maybe don't go to that guy. Cause uh, he, he didn't seem to know what he was doing. I, I actually got a bad bow story too. Uh, I'm not going to name the shop. I'm not even going to name where they're at. It's not the same people anymore anyways, but I took my bow in there to get adjusted on the draw link because I broke my wrist during baseball and I had a cast on and I was still shooting competitively. So I had to get it shortened to fit with my cast. So I was going to get it extended back out. I shoot the bow a couple of times and I feel like something wasn't right. The guy adjusted it and I went to their shooting range and I go to pull it back again, hold string and everything comes off and i'm like okay oh my gosh and i looked down on it well the rollers that were on that cam he didn't tighten them all the way and it went in between it shorted it down and then came off the rollers oh my gosh bow bow accidents freak me out more than anything i mean 
I like shooting guns and bows, but I've heard horror stories or I've seen the pictures of the arrows. Like there's an arrow that's got like a fracture in it and it goes through the dude's hand. Oh man. Every time I shoot my bow, people think I'm crazy. You know, I've seen, I've seen guys shoot and their arrow explodes after it leaves the bow or like, you know, there's two chunks of arrow flying down range. And every time, man, I just give it a little bend listen for any cracks or fractures because I am not about to have my uh, hand look like some nasty bow fishing accident. Are there any stories you have from down there? Because I would imagine you've been on hundreds of hunts at this point and, and seen some pretty crazy things. Is there anything that like just sticks out that you always share with people when you, when you talk hunting? It always points to Robbie. He's from Florida He's 51. He loves to hunt and fish more than anybody I know. Um, I guess he, uh, he lost his vision fully in junior high. Um, they tried some surgeries. I don't know what problems he was having with his eyes, but he lost his vision. That dude's got a love for that. Fishing, hunting. Uh, guy throws cornhole. You set him up, put him in the right direction and hand him bags. He hit two with us last time he came out, like <laughs> I drained it. But that's one of my favorite ones because it's been so rewarding. Not only have I got to guide with him and get him on animals and just experience him, but to call him a friend, like that was a, a hunt and a hunter that turned into a friend and friendship. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. I love I love when people, their passions don't change, even though maybe certain circumstances in life do. Um, I got to talk with a guy named Gabe Pacelli who kind of had a freak accident uh, a couple years back, uh, had a tree come down on him and paralyzed him. And he's like, dude. I'm not giving up, man. I mean, he got like a track chair. He's out there hunting, you know, almost as much as he used to, but he's, he's a fighter, man. He's, he's going to physical therapy every day. I mean, he sends me videos every now and then of him, you know, assisted walking, like just trying to get weight back on his feet and get his muscles going again. And so that that's cool that you had an opportunity, not only to guide someone, but then to have it turn into a friendship. Um, I bet you that's super rewarding. I've seen even with the podcast, like I'm not guiding anybody. I'm not getting anybody on their first hunt, but I've had so many people like, dude, come on up to North Dakota and hunt with me, come out to Maine and moose shed hunt with me, do all these different things. And so 
that's been a treat for me. And I'm sure you experience a lot of that, um, guiding people down there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the opportunities, it's something that really can't be compared to anything else. Um, the thing that we stand behind and that we have a repeat of is our repeat clients. So Robbie has actually been hunting on that same ranch for this year will be 17 years. Nice. Um, explain it, but they're like, well, he's blind. How does he shoot the animal? And I'm going to tell you. We set them up. We use uh, the death grip bog pods and yeah. we put an side lever action 3030. We set Robbie up. We get the gun on there. He puts it to his shoulder. He'll keep his head off the stock and the gun will not be cocked, but there'll be a bullet in the chamber. Carrier will get behind him and aim over his shoulder. And of course they practice. So he knows which way he's pulling to up or down, left or right. And once the animal's in view, he'll say, go ahead and cock the hammer. Robbie will cock the hammer. He'll say, all right, get ready. He'll put his finger hovering over the trigger, and then he'll say, go. And he drops an animal every time. I mean, this guy, <laughs> uh, my favorite one with him, he got laid off since COVID. It's not easy being blind and working because not a lot of people want to hire a blind person, which is kind of weird, but he uh, he came out with the intentions of only shooting a doe or two does. He didn't have the money to really kill anything with horns. Well, Carrier, me, Carrier, and Kenny saw this axis buck on camera, and Carrier's like, if we can get Robbie on him, that'd be perfect. First morning, guy drops him. He walks Jeez. straight out perfectly like we talked, but the funny part of it, he drops, they're celebrating, and Carrier goes, well, Robbie, I got good and bad news for you. He goes, well, he didn't get up, did he? He goes, no, he's dead. That's the good news. He goes, well, what's the bad news? Well, when he hit the ground, both his horns fell off. Oh, man. It was right before he was about to shed, which is fine for Robbie because he doesn't get anything mounted. He can pick up any set of horns that he has shot that he keeps and tell you what year he shot it, what caliber he shot it with, what time of the day, how many lone stars he had before and after. I mean, <laughs> The guy's memory is gold. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, I guess some things don't change with people because people, uh, I have I have people ask all the time. We've got kind of a, a wall of all the antlers, all the turkeys, the different animals that we've taken that have been memorable and we've held on to. And people come in and they're like, man, that's that's kind of an impressive wall. I mean, it's at my buddy's shop. So there's there's deer from, you know, four different guys up on that wall. And I'll be like, yeah, so that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that, and I'm pointing to all the ones that are mine. And they're like, dude, how do you remember? And I'm like, listen, you there's probably aside from maybe like a couple doves here and there, there's not many animals that I don't remember taking. Like everyone has a special memory. I can tell you who was with me on the hunt. I can tell you right where I was at. Um, I think that's just something about being an outdoorsman or, or, or being, someone who's just passionate about hunting and fishing. See, everything you explained is exactly why people hunt. That is the staple for it. Minus just putting the animal in the freezer too. That is why people hunt. And yeah. people are monsters. People think we like to go out and just kill stuff. That ain't the case. Some people might be like that, but for true hunters, I wish they could see a day in our shoes and see we're not running around toting guns, shooting at everything that run by. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think there's been a, a few bad bad apples that kind of spoil the whole bunch. You know, everybody thinks that we're all a certain way. And it's like, man, I'm not out there like grabbing my deer and flinging it in the air and hooting and hollering. Like there there is so much respect in every animal. There's that moment afterwards where it's like you go up and it's just kind of like it's an intimate moment. I mean, like I don't screw around with it. I tell I took my nephew out hunting for the first time this year and he got to see how it all how it all happened. Um, but I'm like, listen, there is a respect for that animal and that animal's life that if you don't have, like you're in the wrong sport. If you don't, if you don't care deeply about these animals and even a lot of outdoorsmen, you ask them what their favorite animal is. It's the exact same animal as if you'd ask them, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Because there's, there's a love for it. There's that. And like the education, people love to learn about those animals and there's, there's just a deep respect for me and the game that I pursue. I I agree with that hundred percent. I'm still, uh, you know, my dad taught me it and I still kind of do the same thing, not only with my animals, but my hunter's animals last meal. You know, I always put last meal on, take a chunk of grass, put it in their mouth, my respect for them and give them my hunter's prayer. You know, that's just the way I always done stuff. Not every hunter has to do that. That ain't going to change my mind on the way you hunt. But that's how I respect my animal. You know, if I'm going to kill something, it's it's going to be something that's going to provide for me. And you talked about on the memory side. That's what I wish I could push to everybody is it's not about the killing. It's about the hunt. It's about the memories you make, the people you meet and the things you do and experience. Yeah. Yeah. The memories for me, I mean, I am I'm the world's worst videographer when it comes to hunting and fishing, cause it's never the first thing on my mind. If I see a big deer come in or a coyote or, you know, a rabbit shoots out of a brush pile, I'm always just like fully in the moment and not, not caring too much about the camera. And my buddy, my buddy, Sean on his moose hunt, uh, I, I had bought a camera. We were going to video, um, everything worked out per- perfectly. The setting was amazing up in the Rocky mountains in Colorado. We were down in this, in this drainage in between two sets of mountains. And I, I gave the camera to his girlfriend who was right behind him when he shot the moose and she didn't hit the right button on the camera. And so didn't get any of it on video. And I thought, I thought he was going to be mad. Like I was, I was kind of like bummed out. Cause I was like, man, that'd be cool to relive, to show people it. And he's like, it doesn't even matter. He's like, everybody that I wanted to be here was here and got to experience it in person and we can tell the story just as good as the video can. And I was like, man, I had a lot of respect for him in that moment because a lot of people put a huge uh, priority on taking pictures and videos of the animals or like, you know, making sure everything is exactly perfect. And if it's doing it to respect the animal, great. If it's doing it to show off, like I just don't care that much for it. You know, and I I feel you exactly on there. We have, some different people come out and do video hunts. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the, the moment with who you experience it with. Like I remember every hunt with my dad. I remember every deer I've shot with my dad. That's something that will hold on to me forever. Videos. Yeah, they're there, but they never get everything. They don't get the emotion. They don't get any of that stuff. And I, I do enjoy having the video hunters because it's something I can look back on and, show people our outfit and everything um 
if you watch my TikTok videos, I don't like having someone videoing around because I do say what's on my mind sometimes. I cuss <laughs> a lot. I drink a lot. So I have to watch my P's and Q's when a camera's rolling. You know, sometimes I will see the camera guy up and I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I can only imagine uh, seeing people that have like reality TV shows and the cameras following them around all the time. I'm like, dude, I could not. I don't know that there's enough money to follow me around all the time with a camera. Like me and my buddies, we get together for guys night. It's tonight, every Thursday night. The crazy stuff that happens there. I'm like, you couldn't show that on television. Uh, we've We've done everything from... Uh, jumping off backhoes into his little two hundred dollar pool to rolling him down a hill in a in a metal uh, like oil drum, like it it just gets rowdy up there. But that's kind of how it goes when you get a bunch of guys together, anyway. That's the hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, you know, and one crucial thing I get on, or I used to get on TikTok, but I don't get it anymore. When I first started out um everybody's like man you just you just dress the part you don't do any ranch work you don't do anything like that well i'm a one-man crew what i work out here in harper is usually just me or me and my boss so they they ain't no video and i tell people too i was like you don't want to see what i have to videotape it's me cussing at cows to get into the dang pen or (laughs) you know i don't have time because we also do a lot of um darting of animals and transporting and all that stuff and i wouldn't even pay to have someone videotape during that it's nothing bad going on it's just the stress level when you don't have an animal go all the way to sleep um i've had animals come awake on me and almost hurt people i have had a white tail come awake on me in the pen and i rode him across the pen the only person <laughs> that's ridden a white tail jeez yeah that's a first for me man it was it it was a scary but fun situation at the same time because I'm an adrenaline junkie. Um, we darted this buck, and I guess he just didn't get all of it or didn't want to go out. He made it look like he was asleep. They'll do that a lot. And I jumped on top of him to turn his head, and he woke straight up out of it. My boss tried grabbing his back legs, and he said nope and took off. And I <laughs> was right over his front shoulders, like my legs were over his neck. And he took off running and my boss is sitting there yelling at me. He's like, bail, bail. <laughs> I had my hand around his horns and I had my boots tucked in the ground. I said, nope, I'm holding on. And we went for about 100, 150 yards and dug my feet in the ground and we rolled over. And well, so behold, laying on the ground, I got my legs still wrapped around his neck, holding his head back. And he comes running up and he goes, you okay? And I said, yeah, tie him. <laughs> pulled up and everything. Man, that I, I know you said you you wouldn't want anybody to be out there videoing, but I know a lot of the listeners right now are probably wishing that you had a GoPro on when yeah. that happened. You know, I started I I was talking about doing a GoPro on the head and chest when you're working with medicated animals, whether it's something they do, whether it's something you do, whether it's something that happens between y'all. I had a deer that woke up while I was trying to tie him and I held on to one of his back legs and he dragged me 50 yards across the pen. He's a 250 pound deer. I'm a buck 50, buck 55 guy. It would have been hilarious. It looked like I was skiing on snow behind a deer (laughs) just sitting there pulling me. 
but that's the most thing I've had problems with was deer. Um, I really haven't had a lot of exotics do anything. I had a, we had a Nile Letchway for a little bit. We used to have four of them. Um, we had a hunter come out and shoot one and he ended up going number five in the world. And then we sold two more and then we kept one. And during the freeze last year, I think his core froze and it broke over halfway and it started growing down. Well, then he started getting aggressive with me. I'd go feed and I always feed the cows first. And then I start running around to the exotics. Well, he started coming up with the cows and he'd start charging me. Well, he called my bluff one day, but he decided he was going to come all the way this time, put his head under my leg, start getting me up towards the fence. And yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't turn my back on him anytime after that, but <laughs> he's, uh, he's gone now. Some ladies mounting him on her wall. Yeah. We got, jeez, I, I, I mean, I've, I've lived on a farm before, you know, we've had, uh, we've had pigs and chickens uh the place i used to live and where i actually still go out and hunt there's probably gosh a couple hundred head of cattle out there and i'm real close to the to the cattle rancher um you know i let them know if there's a break in the fence i'll help them repair it or one day there was a cow loose in the woods uh that i deer hunt in and so i called him up i was like hey we're gonna have to push this back into the pasture and and patch the fence um but my buddy brad he would come out and hunt with me and one day he's like, dude, do you mind if I go out? I know you've got to work tomorrow, but do you mind if I, I head out to the stand? I was like, yeah, go for it. Well, he calls me in the afternoon and he's like, dude, you'll never believe what happened this morning. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes, that bull, the big bull. And we've got this giant black bull out there. And he, I mean, certain times of the year, he just doesn't put up with anything. And he's like, dude, I had to jump the barbed wire fence, ripped my pants wide open. Like he came after me. And he's like, so instead of walking, you know, a couple hundred yards across the pasture, he's like, dude, I walked the road all the way around. I mean, probably well over a half mile just to get to his spot because he's like, I'm not going back in there with that cow or with that bull. Um, but yeah, luckily I haven't had to experience anything like that. I think the worst was, uh, some pigs. We had hogs at the last place I lived and the big boar was probably pushing 600 pounds. I mean, he was not small at all and f- friendliest pig out there. I mean, like he would come up and just like rub his head on your leg. He'd want you to pet him on the snout. But one day I was driving home and my wife is like, Hey, stop at the divider between the pig pens. Um, there's something wrong with Hef. He's got, he's like stuck on the fence and I go, well, the, the sows were in heat or one of them was, and he had gone to like nose it through the fence and his, the, the hog wire got stuck behind his tusks and he was just pulling and it was gouging his gums. And so I had to go, I grabbed some bolt cutters, cut that, uh, freed him. And it was, I thought, you know, he's going to be upset. He's going to like come after me. I got to be ready to jump the fence. Nope. He just came over and tried to lean his whole body weight against my leg. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. He would have tore me up if he was really upset. You know, it was funny you mentioned about the bulls. It's funny I see some of these people trying to go in a field with a with a bull or something. They think he's friendly at first because they let him get close and kind of touch him. People need to realize some of those bulls, their uh, their job is to do one thing, and it's to breed those cows. And you got to imagine the whole time of the year they're off those cows, not breeding those cows. They're pissed. 
They're, yeah. They're, they're not happy. Yeah. My, uh, my sister dated a guy, um, whose neighbor was killed by his bull. He's like, you know, he would go out there every, every day, feed his, yeah. feed his cows. You know, he'd go break water in the winter. And one day, uh, the guy got home and looked out and the neighbor was out in the pasture, just laying there and the cow or the bull was over the top of him. And yeah, I mean, people just got to understand those things are, they're, they're domesticated, but they're still a couple thousand pound animal that you just can't, you can't put yourself in between it and a, and a cow that's in heat or, or piss it off to the point where it comes after you. Cause I'm no bullfighter, man. I can't dodge a bull. That's for sure. I'd be the guy getting tossed 12 feet in the air. That's, that's the thing. You know, I work at a rodeo during rodeo season, which is, uh, pretty much well started labor day or uh, started memorial day and then after labor day or with vice versa whichever it is um it's funny to see a lot of out of town people come out there and they get real close to the fence they get up on the fence and we get some instances during the beginning of season when there's a bull that doesn't want to go back in and these people think it's cool to sit on a fence and a bull to run by them i haven't seen one get hooked over the fence by a bull yet or taken off the fence by him, but I've seen it pretty close, but I run the bull shoots and stuff during those rodeos. And they're really not when you have a trained rodeo bull, it's different. But when you go to a pasture bull, they ain't no one out there to catch his eye or anything. There's you in the field. He's, he's going to run you down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, in the mornings, I mean, typically I'll know when the bulls are out there, but every now and then he'll put one in and I don't know about it. And man, on the way out, I'll see that thing. And I just stick close to a tree at all times. Like I'm either right on the fence line or right near the wood so I can get behind something or get up something before that thing connects with me. Luckily, I haven't had had it be aggressive to me yet, but fingers crossed it doesn't happen at all. Man, how uh, how has social media been because i'm guessing you know you didn't start out going man i want to get big on tiktok uh <laughs> same with me i was like i told my wife tiktoks for teenage girls to dance and do things that their parents don't want them to and all of a sudden now apparently yeah. i'm famous on tiktok how's that been for you how it all started for me was like i i saw the advertisements on facebook and i was like this is the stupidest app i'd ever seen <laughs> and, and my buddy kept talking about it, kept talking, oh, get TikTok, because we used to make a bunch of videos about uh, products we try out for fishing and hunting and stuff like that. I was the one that was always talking to him. He goes, man, you're good with presenting yourself. You can come up with something fast, you know. He goes, you just think about it. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Well, him and his girlfriend came over one day, and I had a calf here. They wanted to come over because his girlfriend loves cows, especially babies. So they were over here and they start talking in there like, you need to make one. So they went ahead, made me an account. And my first video was with that calf. It was with the, the Simba audio and I poured barbecue sauce on a plate, wiped it <laughs> on my finger and then went wiped it on that, that calf's forehead. And that's when it started from there. I did one Sam Elliott TikTok video and yeah, boom, it started blowing up. And sometimes I get a little frustrated and tired of making videos, but you won't believe the amount of messages I get. Like people are like, man, I look forward to seeing your stuff in the morning. You make me laugh. You make my day. 
when I get those, yeah, I'll keep making my stupid videos. I yeah. mean, hundred percent. I, I believe most of my videos are hundred percent stupid. I will tell that to anybody. <laughs> I put them on there with no intention of them going viral or even having an effect on anything. Yeah. I, I started out hating it. My wife would get me to join her on her TikTok, And I'm just like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And she's like, you need to do them for hunting. I'm like, any self-respecting hunter is not going to be on TikTok, And she's like, oh, they will be, trust me. And then we started going from there. And now I, I actually enjoy it. I see stupid videos and I'm like, dude, I'm going to turn that into the funniest hunting thing anyone's ever seen. And uh, my friends probably get annoyed because I'm like, hey, I just had a video hit this many views. You got to look at it. And they're like, dude, we don't want to see any more of your dumb videos. Like, let's just hang out. Let's go hunt. Let's go fish. Like, <laughs> we don't hang out to watch your dumb TikToks. Um, but yeah, it's a fun platform just to just to mess around. Uh, what is back to hunting? I mean, we've been everywhere in this conversation and I love it. But uh, what what are your plans for this year? Do you have any big plans for 2022 and hunting or even, uh, with guiding? Um, so we got some ram hunts coming up. We also have spring turkey season coming up. We'll have, of course, Robbie back out our Florida hunters. Um, March, I'm going up to Colorado city, Texas to hunt with rogue Texan outfitters, helicopters for pigs. Oh my gosh. That dude, I'm jealous. That is, that's a dream hunt. That seems like so much fun. I think I'd be kind of terrified. I've never been in a helicopter and I am not much for heights. Like if it's over water, like I'll, I'll cliff jump here in the rivers, but if it's over land, I just view everything going wrong. But if you put, if you put an AR in my hand or a, or a shotgun and you chase after pigs, I probably won't be thinking about the heights at all. See, being, being in a helicopter is not bad. I've, been in helicopters plenty we do surveys and stuff it's actually really fun uh once you get up and you start feeling the movement of it you'll take every fear of being in a helicopter and throw it out the window it's fun um yeah he, he reached out to me uh as a creator and was like hey you know i want you to come out do some stuff for video and all that and oh my answer to him was hell yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah i was like you know, I, I get to go up in the helicopter and do these surveys, but most of the time we're not going for pigs. We'll keep a shotgun up there. We'll shoot some if we come on some, but this is just straight for pigs. I told him, I said, let me know the date and I will bring my butt up there. Let's go. Well, maybe we just should do like, tell him he can get a two for one creator package. Uh, I'll, I'll come down there. <laughs> no, I've seen people do it for pigs. I've seen them do it for, for coyotes even. And I'm like, dude, People are getting creative these days. Before you know it, they're going to be flying drones with like an AR attached to the bottom and and taking out right. taking out hogs. Well, that, that's what he said too. They said they get on a bunch of coyotes as well. Um, he was trying to get um, me. The the other two people that I know of, he's trying to get me. Uh, Nick, um, how you pronounce his last name? Uh, Luciano. Oh yeah. And, uh, Bimo. Nice. He was trying to get us up there. I talked to BMO. I don't know if they've set for that date, but I told him the 20th through the 23rd, I'm good to go. If those guys, I'll talk to them and be like, Hey, I got Dan. I want to bring with me. Let's go. (laughs) Jeez. That would be, that would be wild. I, uh, yeah, I've watched all the, when the videos first started coming out, now there's too many to watch, but when they first started coming out, I'm like, dude, 
there's people who do this for a living. Like I joined the wrong, like, uh, employment Avenue. This is, <laughs> this is way more up my alley. Man. And you know, they, uh, they fly two birds at once is what it looks like. They mostly do. And there is cameras everywhere on you, on the gun, on the bird. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a fun time. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> anytime you get like uh motorized transportation and vehicles, um, it's always fun. I, I'm like, dude, I would love to, I'd love to be on a dirt bike, man. It'd be like old school, like Indians on horseback chasing down Buffalo. Imagine being on a modern horse, you know, with a dirt bike between your legs and, and an AR pistol on your side, just cruising through fields and taking out animals. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never actually got to do anything like that because it's typically illegal in the States that I'm in, but that goes back to Texas being amazing and free. And they say, do what you want. It's your property. Modern day, John Wayne. Yeah, man, that's going to be, that's going to be an awesome hunt. I'm, I'm excited for you. Are you, uh, how many like months out of the year are you guiding? You mentioned Turkey season's coming up and you've got some Ram hunts going on. Is it kind of a year year round thing there in Texas? It is. Um, so of course any exotic we have in Texas, uh, there's no season on it. Um, it just depends. So this year we've had after the past freeze, we had to cancel pretty much all of our access hunts. We had a couple access we were able to take that came into feeders for hunters during whitetail season and they decided they want to take them. Um, it's not that it killed a huge amount of the population. All those summer bucks were in velvet when that freeze hit and the freezer burn and frostbite they got from it, man. It was bad. We were seeing all types of funky stuff. You were lucky to see a full horn deer out there. Jeez, that's crazy. So we, have, we have our our normal guys from elite, uh, release outfitters that come out, and man, those poor guys. You know they've been jonesing at the bit, but how they hunted with us before, it was a guarantee that you're going to get a shot on a mature big axis. Well, we couldn't guarantee that to them last year. We're still trying to see if it's going to be good for this year and hopefully God pray the weather stays good. Mother nature can show you how fast she can take, but we love a break because our access hunts during the summer is our biggest thing. And that's a lot of things too. People ask the best time of year to hunt access. It's during the summer. It's June, July, August. That's when you need to be after them. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So you said they were in velvet when the freeze hit. So they're dropping they're dropping and regrowing at totally different times than whitetail. They do. It all depends on if they were a summer or a winter. So your summer bucks, um, they're growing out right now. They're growing out right now. Uh, your winter bucks or your later borns, they're supposedly, they drop their horns on their birthday or around that time. Oh, okay. so. We have a decent population of winter bucks, but our heaviest population and the majority population of Axis are summer bucks. Okay. They breed, you know, twice a year. There's two ruts, and it's the winter buck rut, the summer buck rut is what I have come to find out. If there's statistically something different about that, or I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But that's what I've seen on the herds. Um, but people ask why we hunt them during the rut. It's because it's like hunting elk. 
it's not the callback wise of you calling them in. It's locating them and going into them and finding them. Yeah. So they're still rutting when they're hard horn, just like whitetail, but they're coming into, uh, so is it, uh, do all of the axis deer come into heat or have a rut twice a year, or is it only the ones that were born in the summer versus winter? So yeah, the summer ones will, will go in during summer and then the winter during winter. Um, okay. it's kind of a, kind of from what I've seen, kind of a double rut kind of thing. The winter is never as big. Still at the same time, we get really big winter bucks. Uh, most of our winter bucks seem like they're more south of town. So the ranch is split into the south ranch, which is the Holcomb, and then the east ranch, which is the Lano. But they're both still in Sutton County. Um, most of the deer out at the Lano, they seem like they're more, you know, summer bucks. Uh, some of the ones south of town, they're more like they're winter bucks. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, how can, how can people find, um, the company or your, your guide services if they want to book a hunt? So if someone wants to book a hunt with Devil's River Outfitters, um, if they have a Facebook, they can find us at Devil's River Outfitters. Our website is the same. Um, we also have Instagram and message through anything on there and we'll reply back to you pretty dang quick. Um, very reasonable price hunts. Uh, if you're an able bodied person and like to spot and stalk, this is the place to hunt. If you like to chase big axis, black buck, rams, turkey, pigs, whitetail, it's a little far out. You know, we've gotten people in East Texas that are like, oh, it's a little bit of a drive. I promise you it's worth it. It's a different terrain than you'll ever experience, and it's a hunt you'll never experience anywhere else. That's awesome. Uh did you, did you this year just start offering the thermal hog hunts or is that this coming season in 2022? We just got the thermal this past year. We've been messing around with bait tubes and stuff like that. Um, we haven't fully started offering or any prices on it, but it will be coming soon. Hopefully we're working on a high rack for our truck too. Nice. Do you, uh, do you get to go out and, and work on predator control? I'm assuming with all these different animals out there, you probably get into a lot of coyotes and, and bobcats. Uh, is that something you offer as a hunt or is that just fun that you get to partake in? That's, you know, that's extra. Uh, we always offer our hunters, uh, if they tag out early on the hunt, they get their, you know, animal they were hunting after. We'll take them hog hunting, coyote calling. We do go after a bunch of coyotes, gray foxes. Um, Pigs, it just depends if they're running through or not, but we always keep a heavy finger on them. I, every time I see one, I tell the hunter, get the gun up and shoot them. Uh, we, we don't charge for pigs or anything like that. It's That's a, a bonus that they get. That's cool. Well, man, uh, we're, we're just over an hour now. I want to be respectful of your time. I'm sure you've got stuff going on, um, but where can people find you personally? I know you mentioned the uh, outfitter, but where can they follow along with you and see some of the videos that you're talking about? So most people, you know, they've seen it from TikTok. That is straight up Cody A. Mills. Uh, my Instagram where you can see my hunting stuff, the TikTok doesn't censor. That'd be Cody A. Mills 3. Um, if you want to reach out to me with any questions, concerns anything like that uh, my email is bowhunter1331 at yahoo.com i promise i'll reply to your message that's awesome man well 
I, I really appreciate you hopping on the call with me today. It was definitely fun and, uh, we'll have to get out on a hunt soon. Um, you're welcome. Anytime up here in Missouri, uh, you're not going to see any of the crazy exotics like you have down there, but, uh, we still have a good time hunting and fishing. And, uh, do you guys frog gig down there? Occasionally it just depends. I haven't been any, any big places with any big, big frogs, but there, there's a lot of people to do. I was going to say that's, that's something I always offer to people um, that aren't from Missouri because I didn't know about it until I moved here. And even when I was out in Colorado, like there were big bullfrogs out there, but nobody went after them. Yeah. We've got some, we've got some monsters and it is an event. I mean, (laughs) you said you like cussing and drinking. You would get along great with the guys that I frog gig with. So uh, maybe you'll have to come up for that one time. Hey, that sounds like a plan to me. I'll bring the whiskey. You cook the steak. Come on. And that is going to wrap it up for this one. Man, I, I'm going to have to keep you guys updated. I really hope that hog hunt works out. I can't even imagine being strapped into a harness on the side of a helicopter, just taking out hogs left and right. Oh, gosh. That's like every guy's dream. You know, the video games that you'd go to the arcade and play where you're sitting in the back of a fake Jeep shooting, like, velociraptors that are chasing you or something. That's what I, that's strangely what I imagine when I think about doing a helicopter hog hunt. But it was awesome getting to chat with Cody, and it sounds like they offer some amazing hunts down there in Texas. And he's got his hands full between the whitetail, the nil guy, um, just all the guiding and ranching that he's doing. What a cool life. And I look forward to keeping up with him. Um, following along with him on social media and on his platforms. I encourage everybody to go and do the same thing. Uh, It's always cool when we can show support to the podcast guests and help get them a like and a follow and a comment or, or whatever that looks like. So please go and do that. And if you haven't left a review and a rating yet on this podcast, I haven't mentioned that in quite a while. Please go and do that. It helps the podcast out quite a bit. It's part of the algorithm where uh, the different platforms will actually push it out and get it in front of more people the more likes and comments and reviews that it gets. So please go and do that. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.